0: Welcome to PTBC Podcast, where we will be speaking about innovation, technology, growing your business, and maximizing your entrepreneurial potential. Let's get get down down to business. business. Hey guys, welcome to the PTBC Podcast. This is Saroosh here, and today we're bringing a very interesting individual and a strong entrepreneur from our our neighbors and friends down south. I wanted to give a warm welcome to the co-founder and current chief clinical officer of WebPT, Heidi Janenga. WebPT is a -a one-of-a-kind, comprehensive, and innovative end-to-end business solution platform designed specifically for people like me, rehab professionals. Uh, If you haven't checked out WebPT, definitely do so. A lot of great content, a lot of great tools and blogs I've used uh, personally as well. Um, And uh, Heidi has had a very, very unique journey going from a rising collegiate basketball star at UC Davis to co-founding WebPT that now helps over 15,000 practices and over 85,000 users, making it a $100 million company. That is quite the accomplishment. Uh, we're very excited to have Heidi on the podcast today. So without further ado, let's get down to business. Heidi, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, before we kind of dive into our main topics for today, which is going to be about data and technology, um, can you give us a brief overview of your journey so far and what really inspired you uh, to create WebPD or to give up the uh, professional basketball dream to go into, <laughs> (laughs) (laughs)
1: well thank you first and foremost thank you Saroosh and congratulations on uh, everything you're doing with PTBC it's exciting to see uh, more people really embracing the rehab therapy world um, and wanting to add to the value so thank you for that so uh, what PT started out of a need in my uh, private practice is, um, I was a clinic director of three private practices. Um, I actually became a physical therapist because of that brilliant basketball uh, uh, uh uh, experiences that I had in my, my junior year in college, I went down with a knee injury. Luckily, um, it was inconclusive on MRI whether or not I was going to need surgery, and so they sent me to a physical therapist, um, and that physical therapist, um, she got me back to playing that year with a brace, and my senior year, I ended up having uh, still no surgery, um, super strong, played with no brace, and uh, you know we actually went to the Sweet 16 that year, so uh, all in all, it was awesome. Um, and, uh, so I went on to become a physical therapist, uh, had a 15 year, uh, career, um, through that career, I ended up being a, a clinic director running, uh, one of the largest sports medicine practices or, or clinics in, in the country, actually, um, and uh, we were back, and this is back in 2006. And we were documenting on pen and paper, like you know, many therapists were doing back then. Um, and uh, you know, we were spending a lot of money on transcription dictation. And uh, here in the U.S., uh, you know, insurance companies have put have been putting the squeeze on us for quite a long time, and reimbursements have steadily declined over the years. And so, I was trying to find a technology that would allow us to replace dictation um, and transcription, and so a lot of our referring physicians had started transitioning in some sort of digital platform, so I thought there had to be something out there for PTs, too, and when we, uh, I partnered up with a a technology uh, uh, um, co-founder who um, had a lot of experience in building uh, enterprise-level software platforms, and so we took a look at what was out there, and he was scratching his head saying, oh, my gosh you know, why, I can't believe how behind healthcare is. Um, there's not, there was nothing specific for PTs. Um, everything was server-based. So as you know, we don't sit behind the desk very often as PTs. And so having, you know, only one computer in the office wasn't going to work. Um, and so we put our heads together and we created um, uh, our version one, which was uh, a web-based platform that allowed um, clinicians to document at the point of service, meaning, you know, on an iPad or, or, um, a laptop or something right, right where you were, uh, treating the patients. Um, and we, uh, launched the company in, in February of 2008. Um, one employee back then in the back of a coffee shop, I mean the quintessential entrepreneurial story. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we sold five clinics that very first month. And, and now you, um, spewed our uh, amazing sort of data of where we are today, which has been an incredible, incredible 12 year ride. Um, but at the end of the day, our mission has never wavered from where we were from the very beginning, which is truly about empowering rehab therapists to achieve greatness in practice. Um, and we think that, that we can do that by providing a really intuitive, efficient, affordable uh, platform to allow them to get back to doing what they love to do, and that's treating patients. Um, But that kind of uh, 10-year span, being the first web-based application, um, set us apart in in a lot of ways, but one of the main ways um, is actually having all of our data within the web-based platform. So um, if you're familiar I'm sure your your um, your uh, listeners are probably uh, technology fairly technology savvy especially with all the information you give them but um, server based models h- hold the the data on that particular community uh, their computer or their server within that facility. And so pulling all of that data together becomes very, very tedious, whereas in a web based application, you have one sort of database that houses all of the data with all of the users that are using that application in one place and so that has been um, kind of our, one of our big uh, sort of wins, if you will, for the industry as a whole, um, because we think we probably have the largest contiguous data set um, of, uh, you know, rehab therapy data now collected over the last 10 years, whether it be outcomes or, you know, just um, uh, um, procedures that are being used, coding, all of that kind of stuff in, in, within our, our data warehouse.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, you know, it, it was really interesting for me to kind of learn is when you guys did this. So 12 years ago, right. And so even I'm finding even today that, um, you know, a lot of people still have some difficulties just adopting technology within their own practices. And and I've, I've seen you guys do it so seamlessly so well. And again, 12 years ago was a may, was like very different time relatively, and things are advancing very quickly. But what have you noticed, at least with kind of your journey through WebPT has been the number one challenge of getting people to adopt new technology by the industry?
1: Well, when we started, if you take yourself back to 2008, um, you know, we, data or or technology has um, um, evolved tremendously in just how we use it in our everyday lives. So in 2008, I mean, people were just starting to do their banking online. They were just starting to, to trust sort of online services, right? And so um, we knew when we first started and we did our market research that 80% of therapists in the U.S. were actually documenting on pen and paper. We all had paper charts. And and I know that it's not dissimilar uh, in Canada. Um, And so that was our big challenge. Um, And then so... Our challenges, it's hard for me to say our number one challenge because as the uh, adoption curve has changed over the last 10 years, our challenges have also changed. When we first started, it was really about um, getting people to trust putting their medical records into the cloud. We actually had to educate them on what was the cloud. Like people didn't even know that terminology in healthcare. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, we get a lot of uh, credit for building not only a technology platform, but also a secondary educational platform of truly pulling information, forward thinking, uh, thought leadership under our sort of uh, education arm, which is our blogs, our webinars, all of these things that we've uh, put together for free. Mm -hmm. Um, But part of that was really around educating people so that they would understand the value of technology, the value of, um, you know, the ROI on, on why this is going to be important to you, what's coming in the future so that you're ready for it. Um, And just as we started listening to our, um, our customers, which we call our members, because we really have wanted to build a community around WebPT from the beginning Mm -hmm. um, that they were, it was, they were having a lot of hard, a hard time trying to find this information, whether it was from the American Physical Therapy Association, which has a firewall on all their information, unless you're a member, but we know that only 30% of all PTs are actually members. Mm -hmm. Um, Or you would have to turn to the Center for Medicaid and Medicare Services. And if you've ever tried to navigate their site, it's just hard to find anything very specific that you could say, oh, this is meaningful to me as a PT or OT or SOP. And so we set out to pull all that information and then regurgitate it in a Format that people could understand, Um, and that's really been our biggest. I think our biggest challenge over time is keeping up with all of the changes. There's been a tremendous amount of regulatory change over the last 10 years. Um, It's obviously helped us from an adoption standpoint, um, but there's just like in any anything else, there's so much disinformation. There's so much uh, you know word of mouth that kind of gets skewed. It's that old telephone game issue, Um, and then there was really not one place uh, that people could really go to and feel comfortable like, wow, this is a a place that has gathered information from reputable sources, and now we are actually that reputable source. We're actually the third most sought-after resource behind APTA and CMS for anything that has to do with technology, compliance, um, building, anything really that has to do with the business of of rehab therapy, Um, people are now coming coming to us.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and you did mention um, some regulatory challenges that you went through as well. And I think this is something that, any new technology that comes into the industry, any new thing pretty much that comes into the industry, there's going to be some regulatory steps to make sure that we need compliance, we need confidentiality and all that stuff. Now, especially, um, you know, I know that you may have had these challenges as well going from, uh, you know, paper charting to uh, a server-based kind of model where things are on the cloud and obviously questions of security might've come up mm-hmm. multiple times. Um, how, <laughs> how do we, kind of in order to to make our industry a little bit more innovative and move forward a little bit um, faster, kind of keeping up with some other um, other industries like the tech industry, which is a very uh, fast forward uh, moving (laughs) industry. How do we keep up with those or how do we tackle those challenges uh, from a regulatory standpoint to help adopt new technology?
1: Well, um, you know, first of all, I think that, you know, it is it is not easy running a business no matter what size of your business like people are very in tune with working uh, on their business right so. um and so taking your nose up off that grindstone and seeing what's happening around you and taking the time to, you know, listen to podcasts or go to a conference or, um, you know, it's just, it's so much harder these days uh, to do that. Uh, And so I think that it's up to us as vendors, as associations um, to really make sure that we are finding people where they are Um, to provide them with the most updated information possible. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the other thing I'll just say that I know the burden of the APTA, or American Physical Therapy Association, as I'm sure it's similar in Canada with the Canadian uh, PT Association, is that We are a very disparate industry, meaning there are so many specialties within our industry that have different challenges each and of themselves, right? So you have pediatrics. that's very different than geriatrics. And sometimes, at least for us, the rules might be different. Uh, in terms of documentation or regulatory things, uh, requirements that that are um, needed, whether you work in a hospital or you work in outpatient or you Part A or you Part B with Medicare, like there's so many things to uh, keep track of, and so you know that's partly I have to say, like that has been part of our luck of of timing in any entrepreneurial. Um, Uh, journey, there are these, uh, these lucky breaks that come along and and whether, I mean, I I hate using the word lucky. It's just, it's happenstance that this happened during this. It's all about timing, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Serendipity, whatever you want to call it, Um, (laughs) that these things happened as we were uh, building our platform because the adoption curve got really steep because people just couldn't keep up with the regulatory change that was happening. And so, You know, we take it as a um, a responsibility as an organization to inform, educate, and keep up with those regulatory uh, challenges. Um, but I will also say that we have a huge component of of why people really think of us as thought leader because we are an advocate for our industry. Um, I think that, you know, partly it's because we were, uh, there's a PT in PT right? And from the very beginning, um, we've stood for something that was more than just a technology company. But I will say, as um, I was sharing with you as we got on this podcast, uh, is that, you know, our vision as an organization and the core values and what we stand for um, have been translated and, you know, our CEO Nancy Hannah always accuses me and of infecting her um, with the with the PT bug, right? Of this amazing uh value that we have that is still so untapped, right? And so um, Every person in organization really is an advocate for not only what we do, but an advocate for the industry, which is what I think that our biggest challenge moving forward is going to be is having a more collective voice as an industry so that we can uh, really move forward to shape it in, in the way that we want to and not let others have, uh, you know, their say in what we do, which is unfortunately what has happened here, at least in the U.S., uh, for such a long time that we've been beholden uh, to insurance companies, um, you know, uh, networks, uh, other, other people, because our lack of data that we have to actually fully represent ourselves. We've uh, relied too long on just anecdotal information, um, and so um, that is, to me, you know, one of the major, major shifts that has to happen right now is is much more data-driven um, marketing, data-driven information that's being put out. Although we have a ton of research behind us, um, that hasn't really helped. It's truly now, you know, uh, uh, data that's coming out of practices, hospitals, clinics, um, um, to, that's really going to make a difference moving forward.
0: Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're, I do want to for sure uh, talk a little bit more about the data because I know you're also very passionate about using data in practice um, before I, I we jump into that. Um, you know, there's this one thing that you know at first was exposed to when in school, uh, the curve that shows essentially where everybody is in terms of adoption. Like you said, there's the innovators, the uh, early adopters, the uh, late adopters, or late majority. And you know, in healthcare, I think you know for some good reason from the past, you know, because of possibly with medicine. Uh, People mm-hmm. might have shifted into the late adopters mentality because if you think about it, like for example, treatment uh, techniques from from a medical standpoint, most people use the more conservative approach before doing the new experimental thing, right? Um, and so, right. and so, uh, you know, our industry, I think, as a whole, has you know had this late adopters kind of mentality, which um, I think sometimes may actually slow us down from an innovative from innovation standpoint. Um, how have you seen kind of, or what have you done? to help break through this type of mentality with people who you try to kind of talk about with adding new technology and new systems or something that's totally new to the industry?
1: Well, as I mentioned earlier, um, when we first started, 80% of therapists were documenting on pen and paper. Um, You fast forward to where we are today, it's probably closer to that being flipped on its head. So probably 85 to 90%, maybe not quite 90%, of adoption of some sort of digital platform. Of that 80 to 85%, 43% of them are using WebPT. And so we have a huge uh, amount of market share. um, And we really attribute that to what I talked about earlier is uh, the education component and the advocacy component. Um, our brand is very, very well-known, um, and whether you're using our platform or not, again, that, that community aspect of you can jump into to know WebPT, use our educational platform without actually having to buy anything. Um, but the thought process as an entrepreneur is, and as a business, is that, well, when you are ready... Right? We have now connected with you in a way that we have a tr- we're a trusted resource that perhaps you're going to consider us when it's time that you, you move across that barrier of late adoption or a laggard to say, okay, I, I'm throwing in the towel, I can't dig my heels anymore, um, and I, I need to do this. Um, so those regulatory changes that, that you get to a point where you're just like, oh my gosh, I can't even run my business anymore, I just, I have to do something, let me take a look at what's out there, the education, um, and what we know about sort of this, if you look at the persona of like a late majority, or what they call a laggard, um, which is usually that last 20 to 30%, if you will, on the adoption curve, they're just very skeptical about innovation as a whole, Right, they mm-hmm. probably waited till the last minute and everything. Whether it was their, they may not even today be online banker. They probably don't do social media. Um, you know, they're very uh, in tune with HIPAA compliance and want to make sure that they, you know, uh, uh, don't have any sort of issue. Um, they're huge, usually huge patient advocates, mm-hmm. um, where they're very much, you know, want to protect their their patients' data as well, and so you know, all of those things are, are great. Um, and there, you can't find really fault outside of the effic- lack of efficiency, the lack of um, potential um, uh, business continuity, um, and also, um, you know, um, profitability of them can being able to stay in business in the long term. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, that for me is is kind of how we've been able to shift over time to focus on, well, what is your biggest pain point? And that's what we talk about. We don't, we don't just go in from our sales process. We are very much in tune with talking to our, our potential customer and finding out, okay, what is your biggest pain point? Why are you willing to talk to us now when you are, you waited for so long? Um, What is it that has now, pushed you across that threshold to even consider doing this um, and so being patient to win them slowly over time um, we've also uh, changed our model to have much more modular adoption cap- uh, capacity where maybe this is your pain point okay we have a solution for that where you can just use this component of our platform you don't have to buy everything um, and uh, over time you, you know they understand okay well this this actually has worked pretty well I like this and i um, I've enjoyed working with you as a company, your service is awesome, and so now, you know, they get put into talking about a different sort of category, the net promoter score, the promoters, the passives, and the and the detractors, they're now our promoter, right, and so now they are actively engaged with our, our um, system, and our company, and our brand, and they are then willing to try more things, and so that's a land and expand sort of uh, mentality is, 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 I think, also what's worked really well for us over time um, to, to gain that kind of market share in a short period of, of time overall.
0: Hmm. And I really love that because that's kind of a similar way I actually get some clients to adopt more of a healthy active lifestyle. <laughs> if somebody very I don't want to exercise, I just want a soft tissue release or something like that. As a client, you know, that's kind of how I do it too. I just do one exercise. Well, let's try this exercise, let's see how it feels. They come back, you know what that felt great, you know, maybe let's add another one and just kind of keep building on there until boom, next thing you know, they're you know, they're loving exercise, they're loving to stay active. So <laughs>
1: that's totally true. It's totally true. Like too often we get too full of ourselves, right, and we're like, oh, no, no, we're very prescriptive in what we uh, think they should be doing versus getting that feedback and actually making it similar software development, a much more iterative process, right, of seeing what works, what doesn't work, maybe it's not working because they're just not compliant. Okay, well, you can't just write them off as, you know, not being compliant and, well, they're never going to get better. Let's let's reel them in and find out what they like, you know, Mm -hmm. so... Yeah, it's, there's so many similarities to, to how you can approach, uh, solving problems right at the end of the day which we Mm -hmm. all are doing just in maybe different industries
0: yeah exactly so it's very transferable now uh Heidi I think um you know one of your latest uh, contents that you guys put out was some predictions for uh the next decade in uh, from 2020 so I kind of wanted to ask you some similar questions there um how do you think our industry is gonna kind of change or how is technology going to help shape our industry in the next 10 years because we've seen the last 10 years like so many things have happened right when you look at 10 years you don't feel like it's a huge chunk of time relatively but in that small amount of time like boom everything's just really did change since 2010 to 2020
1: now yeah i mean i talked a little touched on the data that's that's going to be huge moving forward in terms of you know having more Relative dashboarding information, uh, you know, with with the patient uh, intake information of being able to say, okay, here are the very specific tests based on what we know about the patient already that we we need to make sure that we're doing, um, having more diagnostic. uh, capabilities, utilizing the, utilizing the data that's being um, put into your electronic health record um, to, to help drive, uh, you know, clinical decision-making, things like that. And also, I will just say from a um, predictability standpoint of, um, you know, based on this information and the demographics of the patient, like how many visits does, is this really going to take to get there, or how many, how many visits should it take to get this patient better, um, if you've inputted all the correct information. Right, so this is mm-hmm. the old adage of garbage in, garbage out. But it's going to be uh, really um, um, important for us to embrace um, the willingness to put in the data, so that you you get this. Uh, Uh, Clinical assistance moving forward, Um, which you know should help us, uh, you know, as far as a volume perspective. I think that there's going to be, it's not very popular, but a huge shift in how we think about telehealth and telemedicine. I think there's going to be a huge shift in understanding what is the true value of PT. Um, I know a lot of people think it's only about putting your hands on every single patient, every single time they, they come into a, and they have to come in to see you to get that hands-on treatment. When While I think that is incredibly important, I'm a manual certified therapist, Like I think that uh, those, those uh, are valuable skills that we have, but I think that um, over time that that's going to have to change, that maybe it's not going to be as frequent, that they have to actually physically come see you, mm-hmm. um, that there is going to be this telehealth component that you are going to need to leverage um, and get paid for uh, to have these consultations, review home exercise programs, things like that uh, with a patient online, uh, or with some sort of mobile device. Um, uh, it's I think, you know, one of our biggest issues overall, I think you, you've probably read and heard me say this on uh, in other places, but, you know, it's the 90% issue, at least here in the U.S., where mm-hmm. 90% of people who have a diagnosis, a musculoskeletal issue that could be helped by a physical therapist or an OT or, or an SLP are not getting in to see us. Mm-hmm. And so... For me, like, we've we've managed to, it's, well, we talked about market share, right? We've managed to help 10% of the people, but we're all fighting over those 10%. If we could just move that needle by 10 more percent, like, the value of what we're doing and the outreach that we could have and the, the improvements in overall healthcare spend, I mean, there's, you know, the trickle-down effect of, of, of uh, our value as we know it mm-hmm. can be so much bigger than it is today, right? And so, I don't know it's just about thinking bigger um, you know we talk a lot about um, the the reach of PTs but I know at least here we're talking a lot about the social determinants of health right and how can we actually have a bigger impact on all these, some of these population health issues right with diabetes and being more proactive in um, helping these these types of patients not even get into that category um, at some point in their life so there's so many things that I I don't know that they're all new, but I think that with the data now, we have so much more um, uh, analysis and um, uh, drivers that can actually help get us to being a much more prominent provider in the overall healthcare continuum. I love some of the things that are being put out right now on on social media about, you know, the primary, PT as a primary care provider, Mm -hmm. especially here with the shortage of primary care. Um, There's so many things that we could be helpful with, um, you know, with segmentation of the types of patients that are coming in that could really be diverted. Mm -hmm. Um, I know there are insurance companies that are really uh, starting to embrace this, um, United Healthcare at Optum being one of them here in the US. So that's the largest uh, insurer in the country mm-hmm. who are now um, understanding the barriers of getting patients into PT, like, um, you know, high co-pays um, and, you know, scheduling and not knowing who to go to. And so um, they're doing some things in terms of waiving the co-pays for the first three visits, um, having online scheduling for patients, things like that. So we're involved uh, with um, helping to, on the technology side with some of those things, but, you know, it's, a it's, innovative, different approaches of more of this collaboration of, okay, not pointing fingers. Oh, the insurance company's fault. Oh, it's the PT's fault. You're too expensive. How do we all work together to do what's best for the patient? Um, and that's really where I, I, I hope, and I think, and I, I'm going to be pushing to, to, um, make sure that that happens in the next 10 years of PT and rehab therapy.
0: Mm-hmm. I definitely agree. And I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, obviously, technology and data are very hand in hand. So, um, you know, as we, you know, take on more technology, and, you know, it's going to open up a different world for new data to come out as well. And, you know, I think we've mentioned the data component if uh, a few times on the podcast already, and we know how important that is, because uh, I think it was 2015 or 2016, correct me if I'm wrong, but data took over oil as being the most valuable entity in the world. And um, I think the, the one thing that I kind of learn more about was Cambridge Analytica initially right where um, you know they were so powerful at collecting data they were able to make behavior change now at the time arguably not for the better but um, you know it was it was an interesting use of data and technology right and so you know we've seen that a lot of clinics uh, nowadays uh, you know they have this data but aren't always sure how to actually leverage the data to make changes within the process. And like you said, some people make more anecdotal kind of uh, basis in terms of making the change or what feels right, rather than what actually shows in terms of the data. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't know if you have any examples that you could share with us from when you were you know, running clinics or what you've seen from web, uh, PT uh, of clinics that are using your platform, how, uh, how they can actually um, use this data to be more data driven uh, in terms of change rather than just kind of making change on a, on a whim or something.
1: Yeah, so that's that's a that's a really great question, and I think um, that's probably the one of our biggest challenges right now um, because we have so much data is uh, leveraging it in a way that's digestible and easily accessible to our practices and practice leaders, directors, owners, mm-hmm. uh, and so you know we we have dashboarding. Um, the other thing is just similar, very similar to how we have no uni in in our actual clinical side of of, of um, you know what for this particular diagnosis you know what should this patient be receiving in terms of treatment protocols. Mm-hmm. Um, the same thing is happening on the data side. So there's so many people that say, "Oh no no no, this this metric is what I need to have to be able to run my business, right?" Yeah. Uh, and so the the customization of of having to fulfill all of these Quest of what people think is the most important, although we have a very clear dashboard of the metrics that we think are most important and that are most readily used across most companies. Um, but, but that being said, um, you know, I think that it is first and foremost, like we have, to, I don't even think that as an as a, uh, industry we've actually even embraced the, the need for data. I mean, we still have a very lackluster um, adoption of outcomes. Um, mm-hmm. we only do them when it's mand- mandatory um, because we feel like it's a burden. It takes time, whatever. I mean, there's lots of um, excuses on why we don't do it. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, like, it's hard to have data to show, you know, whether or not you're actually the integrity of, of what you're the value that you're delivering and what you say you, you, you are doing versus what the patient or, you know, you are, are showing in, in terms of data and outcomes are really one of the most valuable tools. They've been around forever. Um, and one of the most valuable tools that we have today to be able to truly show that. Uh, and so You know, I I would say, you know, first and foremost, we have to embrace the fact that this is going, we we have it, we need it, and we need to really understand it uh, to be able to move our industry forward Um, because, you know, we're already being left behind in so many areas and, um, you know, Whether it's your outcomes, whether it's just you're tracking your, you know, your billing and what you're getting paid per patient, per insurance, per doctor, understanding your referral trends and and who's referring to you, how many patients and why and what the cost per those referrals are. I mean, there's so many different aspects of your business um, and I'm talking specifically around private practice, but I think it's also incredibly important to know at the, even at the hospital level, you mm-hmm. know, understanding, you know, how are you getting paid as a, as a PT, um, mm-hmm. you know, in the patients that you're seeing, like how, how is the hospital getting paid, which translates to how do you get paid, mm-hmm. um, because Uh, it's just a vicious cycle, right? You've got, you got PTs coming out with these high burdens of student loan debt um, who are demanding higher salaries, but then they don't understand how they get paid. And on the other side, you've got revenues declining and reimbursements declining. And so there's just this push and pull of of Mm -hmm. things that aren't uh, adding up. And so we have to find uh, ways to become more efficient um, and also change some of our our business models, our practice models in in our thinking on how we have to do that. And, and I think one of the biggest challenges in this is actually connecting what's, what's being taught in school uh, to what's actually happening in real life. Mm
0: -hmm. Um,
1: I think that education sometimes can be a little bit, I I know a lot of schools um, are really trying to stay up to date as much as they can and bringing in guest speakers and things like that, which I think is great, but what students are learning and the emphasis of what they're learning in school and they get out into practice, and to practice man they're kind of floundering for a while um and so you know that that first couple of years of of um Disin, di, being disenfranchised with, well, that's not what I thought was going to happen, what, what I thought meant, uh, what I thought being a PT meant when they come out of school until they really get their bearings or hopefully they have a great mentor when they come out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so, sorry, si- a little bit of a sidetrack, but, mm-hmm. but I think there's um, the understanding of data, the understanding of more around the business side of, of, of PT in general and healthcare in general, I think has to start in uh, school. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just, I don't think that's really uh, connecting. And I know there for sure, there's nothing on the, you know, your licensure exam that has anything to do with that. So students are very much inclined to only really dive into deeply, you know, okay, well, what is it going to take for me to get a license? And so it's a bit of a disconnect, I think, in the overall um, of what it takes to to really be successful these days uh, as a, as a provider, uh, regardless, I think of, of, Specialty, but for sure in in our world as outpatient PTs.
0: Mhm, and and I definitely agree. And I think I can speak uh, speak to some of the Canadian schools here. I think we're, it's a similar situation, right, with uh, Canadian physio schools. There's definitely been some push to make changes, to bring in some more uh, courses, and uh, change the curriculum a little bit to try to reflect um, this new age of you know people are, are now inherently very entrepreneurial, right? When physios mm-hmm. come out, they want to open their own practice, they want to run their own uh, business, they want to have their own space etc. Right. And I think there's been even some push uh, here in Canada to make this part of the competency of a physiotherapist, which I do believe that it should be right because this is it doesn't I totally agree. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't like having like business education doesn't mean understanding how to read a financial document. It could mean that just understanding how to uh, run your own practice is the practice management, really, that's kind of, uh, we need to drive a little bit more in terms of uh, the education. And like you said, I think that's going to be a very big, uh, big shift as schools start to adopt us a little bit more, both in the US yeah. and Canada. Now, what the the one thing you know i've always tried to do is try to kind of look at different resources or different ways to try to understand this a little bit better but um do you have any ways that you recommend for somebody who's a practice leader who's one in a leadership position within a clinic or within a hospital or wherever they are um, are there any tools or courses they should be using or anything to try to become more data driven or get a little bit more well-versed in this
1: well, so, I mean, I'm going to do a shameless plug because I don't think anybody does it any better than we do in the industry. <laughs> Specifically, I, I mean, I'll be honest, uh, with, with respect to, um, you know, being very specific to rehab therapy in terms of understanding the data and metrics that are required to run a rehab therapy practice, we have a conference every year called Ascend. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was—it's the, the very first conference that ever, that uh, that specifically only um, uh, focused on the business side of running your practice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have the private practice section in, in the APTA, which does a fantastic job of of putting together some of those aspects. But we mm-hmm. we very much focused on the on just the the uh, business specific side, and so. Um, uh, it's at the end of September. Uh, this year it's in Charlotte, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anyway, so, and then, you know, you, you mentioned our resources online, all mm-hmm. free. We have webinars every six to eight weeks um, that are on very specific topics. But I mean, we've been doing this now for 10 years. So if you go to our blog page and you pretty much, or you just go to Google uh, and say, WebPT, any topic Um, I'm sure we've done a blog or uh, maybe even touched on a webinar with it um, that you know we can at least be a beginning resource and I will also say that we don't it's we don't always just have our own content so we bring in quotes and information from other amazing leaders um, all over the industry um, who are very um, uh, more of an expert than even we are on certain topics, and we bring them in so, to collaboratively work and share their information uh, because we have such a large following. So, um, you know, I, I would definitely point you in that direction uh, as far as, you know, um, very specific areas. And then I will just say, you know, I'm a, I'm a so in Canada, we're huge fans of Jane, mm-hmm. um, one of the other top, uh, you know, Forward-thinking, in my opinion, um, electronic health records. Um, again, one of the, I think the one of the first um, web-based platforms. So, you know, I knew I know that they do a, a pretty good job as well. Um, the other, from a global perspective, I would I would point you to as Physiopedia. Mm-hmm. Um, which is an online platform uh, that, you know, shares information from all over the world um, and definitely has a, very, a lot of clinical information as well as um, some, they're diving in a lot more now from a global perspective on some of these leadership to- topics and uh, business uh, sort of areas as well.
0: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, and I do want to echo that I do. I agree. There's a lot of great content, uh, kind of the blogs that you guys are putting out as well in the webinar. So I've, I've already been able to use a lot of those in, in, in my practice. So definitely appreciate you. guys. Well, thank you that. for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> now, you did mention metrics uh, a couple times as well. And I know there's tons of metrics that you could use to actually uh, track at a clinic level. Um, do you have a top two metrics that you would you know, obviously not to only use two metrics, but what are your top two metrics that you would say we have professional should use?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll rattle through a few of the ones that, you know, are the standards, um, you know, your council no show rate, of course your revenue per visit. One of the things that I don't think people really understand how to calculate is your cost per visit, because I think that's incredibly important to know whether or not your contract with an insurance company is actually meeting the demands and what it costs for you to do business.
0: Mm-hmm. So, So
1: comparing your REV per visit and your cost per visit and and truly knowing how to calculate an all-in cost per visit. Um, You know, on the newer type of metrics that I think are really important that I don't know that everybody really is looking at or have the tools to do it um, are like a net promoter score, um, which is uh, more on the sort of patient satisfaction side, uh, which I think is incredibly important because you can... You know, have the metrics of up the wazoo in your in your clinic and what you're doing. But if your patients aren't satisfied, that's a huge red flag into to really looking into things um, that are going to keep them a coming back to finish their full episodes of care. But also mm-hmm. as a referral mechanism to get more people in, um, uh, to to come to your practice. So n- new patient um, metrics. So. Uh, I'll just leave you with those. Just from an interest of time, I could probably talk yeah. a whole hour on <laughs> <laughs> just what these metrics are. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, again, I, if you want to dive into more into the um, the algorithms or the uh, formulas for some of the the metrics I just talked about, again, um, if you go to, to PT Metrics Data Metrics at WebPT, you'll you'll find a whole sort of slew of information on that stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome, yeah, I do. I do agree. There's a lot of metrics that we could definitely chat about, and 100% agree with the uh, the NPS is definitely super important. And, um, the other one that was really interesting is definitely the cost per visit, because especially like you said, if there's different funders, different kind of uh, revenue streams, different ways, there's multiple ways to calculate it as well. So. Well, and
1: I know from our, I know from our research and just understanding, um, you know, some of the differences uh, in Canada, like there's a lot more cash based services. And I know this is a trend that's moving um, to a larger percentage here in the US, but definitely in Canada. So, you know, that Mm -hmm. those referral numbers and um, understanding, you know, how to get more, it's more of instead of before for us, it was you know, marketing to referring sources, referral sources and physicians, but now it's really about marketing directly to your consumer or your potential patient. And so Mm -hmm. that shift is a lot different sort of voice, um, you know, content that you need to put out there to make sure that you're getting uh, patients in the door. Um, So shifting sort of some of your you know, marketing practices based on those metrics, once you get them in and understanding how you actually got them into your practice um, is really important as you, you know, put money Um, into different resources. Um, And for me, that's really how we use metrics here at WebPT. We, one of our core values is mass with manos, which means doing more with less. Mm -hmm. And we very much are data driven in terms of, you know, if we find something that's really working, we're going to pour more gas on it. But if things, we we like to try things and then fail fast, if you will. So Mm -hmm. if if it's not working then you pull back, you regroup and you try something else rather than, Mm Just kind of letting things flow for months at a time and then recognizing, oh, uh, yeah, this really wasn't working. And now you've wasted six months of time and, 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 uh, you know, financial dollars. So um, Mm -hmm. keeping track of those types of things are for us really important. I think those are, again, immediately transferable in how you think about your business as a practice as well.
0: Definitely. I highly guess the Amazon approach a little bit too, right? Just <laughs> trialing things and boom, you got yourself like a, an amazing service. Um, yeah. Heidi, as we kind of wrap in, uh, wrap up the podcast here, uh, we talked a lot uh, about technology and data in the episode and a lot of lot of different uh, amazing uh, knowledge gems that you put out today. Um, but, you know, obviously one thing that I'm very curious about, and I'm sure our listeners are as well, is do you have a specific book recommendation for our listeners to help them with their... Uh, growth in their practice, or something that you used in your in your twelve year long journey for about PT. Yes,
1: yeah, so I am an avid reader. Um, as you can imagine, um, being a PT jumping into the technology world uh, was a whole new space for me. Yeah. Um, uh, but at the end of the day, you know, for me, it's about you as leaders out there. Um, and for me, developing and knowing yourself as uh, your strengths and weaknesses, understanding what it takes to truly lead. And I think that, uh, and I, I would say even more than just as an owner, as every PT out there as we are leaders um, mm-hmm. and we have such a role in terms of advocacy and also, um, you know, with uh, the outcome of your patient of truly taking that leadership role with your patient is really important. So i um, My recommendation is going to be an amazing book that has helped me in so many areas. I am a big Brene Brown fan. If you're at all uh, familiar with her, she's a, an American author has done a bunch of Ted talks, but her latest book is called dare to lead. Um, And uh, it is just uh, an amazing uh, culmination of a lot of other books, but specifically in around how to become a better leader your willingness to really step up and put yourself out there to, to lean into courage um, and vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, from, for me in this time with so many changes, um, it, it really being harder and harder to be a PT and specifically a private practice owner. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that, you know, it, it, we are very desperate to have more brave leaders out there who are willing to step up and continue to advocate for not only our value as PTs, but also for our patients that really need us. And so that would be my recommendation. It's kind of sidetracked from what we were talking about specifically with data, but uh, I'm such a huge fan. And I think that at the, at the core, it's about leadership, right? And then all of these other things you can learn, uh, but you have to learn about yourself first and foremost.
0: Mm -hmm. Yep. Great leaders make great leaders. So definitely, definitely (laughs) agree with that. That's a great book, right? Recommendation. Now, Heidi, is there any way that our listeners can get in touch with you or even consult uh, WebPT services is there a best place to look?
1: Sure, so um, uh, Many of the things that I talked about if you just go to WebPT.com slash blog um, You will find all of our educational resources there mm-hmm. um, Personally, um, I'm on Twitter. So at Heidi Janenga or if you'd like to uh, connect with me on LinkedIn um, just hi- Heidi Jenanga, you can find me on LinkedIn as well. And I'd love to continue this conversation, um, understand more about, you know, the, the issues going on in Canada as well, if they're any different. Because I think, as we mentioned a couple of times, a lot of things are transferable, even though the problem may be slightly different. Mm-hmm. Um, how we approach it and, and um, potentially even solve it could be something that is already being done here. Or similarly, um, we can learn from what's going on in Canada to bring some really uh, great solutions here as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, thank you so much, uh, Heidi. Appreciate you uh, coming on the episode today, and um, hopefully, um, our listeners have some questions for you a little bit later because I have tons of questions still. <laughs> we could definitely do a few five-hour episodes here, but uh, just so not waste your whole day, uh, we'll wrap up us here. But again, thank you so much for taking the time, and I appreciate you coming out
1: sure thank you so much this was awesome super great topic um and thank you all for all of you out there listening um love to connect later and please check out uh just WebPT.com and we'd be happy to help in any way we can
0: absolutely thank you so much Heidi thank you thank you everyone for tuning in to the ptbc podcast hope you enjoyed the episode today Please check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at our website, ptbusinesscorner.com. Feel free to send us a message on social media or email us at infoptbusinesscorner.com. See you next time!